Hi there, and welcome to the media ministry of River Bible Church. I'm Pastor Dustin Daniels, inviting you to visit our website to download today's sermon notes. You can sign up for our newsletter and also submit a prayer request. We would love to pray for you and answer any questions that you may have. For more information, visit riverbible.org. Now let's open up the Word of God together for today's message. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And Dallas Bivens is with us here again this week. Let's give him a hand. Dustin will be back next week. And uh, Dallas, we're so glad you're here, brother. It's good to be here. How, how is everyone? You know, the front row is open. Uh, years ago, I pastored a church in uh, Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Anyone know where that is? You do. Wow. And uh, the church was typical in that everyone sat in the back. You guys got that down. So I kept asking them, come up forward, come on, you know, move up. And they wouldn't do it. So finally, one day, I took the little lectern like this, and I put it about halfway down. And over about three or four weeks later, I moved the lectern back, I guess forward, and the people flowed toward me. And it took about two months or so. You're so good. Amen. Good job. And it took about a month or so, but I finally got everyone up together. So, man, it's good to see you guys again. How is it, everyone? Everyone uh, spunky? Sparky? Ready to go? Uh, your pastor is out for another week enjoying himself. And uh, man, I just love being up here, you guys. I just love being up here. For you that don't know me, uh, I'm Dallas Bivens. I run a seminary in Phoenix called Gateway Seminary. And your pastor, of course, is one of my good friends and is a, uh, a student there, a DMN student now. Uh, I am married to this gal right here. We've had uh, 22 happy years. And we've been married 30 overall, but, um, you know, when we met, we didn't like each other at all, and uh, she fell for me pretty hard, and uh, now it's all good. Uh, three kids, Rick is 28 and uh, is a freshman at Arizona Christian and is a football player there, and uh, spent eight years in the Air Force, and then our uh, middle child, uh, Cameron, is 24, been married seven years uh, with her husband in East Tennessee. They work at the Baptist Children's Home there. And then Brock, our 20-year-old, is a bowler at Arizona Christian. And, uh, and Brock is sick today. Uh, so we're heading back as fast as we can. It's not COVID, so everyone relax. See, that's why no one's, that's why you're the only one in the front row, man. Uh, uh, so you're good. Uh, so we are going to head back as fast as possible, but if you need to talk to me, get with me, uh, you know, right after the church services. And guys, we have master's degrees and, and Bible teaching certificates and all sorts of stuff at, uh, at the seminary. Uh, a couple of health things about me. Uh, last week I was in a boot. I went to see the doctor this week. 
No, no. But that was, I was in there last week, brother. And, uh, and he said, everything looks great. That's right. That's right. But everything looks great. And he said, I can start walking on it. And he just looked at me kind of funny. He said, you've been walking on it, haven't you? And I said, since week two. And he said, well, God's blessed you, so here I am. The other thing is you guys know that I am going a little hillbilly with you, so I'm still missing a tooth. And I went to the, to the dentist, and he gave me a fake one. So I've got it here. I just can't talk with it. Now, one of the things about our seminary, our president um, was, uh, our seminary used to be located in San Francisco. Now it's in L.A., and I run the Phoenix office. Uh, but he was a uh, chaplain for the, um, for the uh, Giants. Yeah. So they won three championships with him. So whenever he comes and speaks, he's got one of these huge, like, five-pound rings, you know, one of these World Series rings. So I don't have that, but I have a tooth, and I thought maybe you guys could pass it around if you wanted to. All right, if you were here last week, do you remember what we talked about in Joshua chapter 1? It was be strong and courageous. And we said be strong and courageous three different ways. The first time they said it was in the past, be strong and courageous because my, my uh, promises are still intact. Then he told Joshua, be strong and courageous today, presently, because you need to keep this book of the law in front of you day and night. Don't let it go to the left or through to the right. Keep it right in front. Then he said, be strong and courageous in the future, because I've given you every place that, the, that your foot will tread, I've given you that land. Y'all with that? Now, again, this was, man, Joshua's having to deal with some greenhorns, some guys that never had any fighting experience. They'd never been in battle. They're all young. They're all under the age of 40. And uh, so this is a new thing for everyone. And it's neat how God takes Joshua aside and says, relax, be strong and courageous in me, because I'm here for you. So, what better time to talk about that than now? The world's a mess, you guys know that. You know about the COVID, you know about the political situation, you know about everything. It's a mess. And sometimes it's hard to be strong and courageous. So, after that chapter one, we go through a couple of chapters, and they're getting prepared to go against Jericho. Jericho is this huge, massive city with huge walls, 70-foot-high walls. And now this greenhorn army, no experience, is supposed to go and battle Jericho. Now, God has already said, be strong and courageous. Now turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I just want to reiterate, life is hard. Life is hard. And especially when you don't know what's going to happen next. Especially when you don't know really what's ahead of you. And so God wanted to tell Joshua again, relax, I'm in charge. It's kind of, um, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? We try to handle all the things that we can handle when we think that we can handle it. Have you ever been there where you can't handle the stuff that's against you? Yeah. Our youngest uh, has cancer, or had cancer, when he was a young guy. I think I've told you he's a Make-A-Wish kid and a St. Jude kid. And uh, God miraculously uh, saved him. Um, it was pretty neat. 
fact, he accepted Christ just a few months before he had that. Beck and I, we were just led by the Lord not to pray for his healing, but to pray that God would have his way, which meant he could take him home. And we acknowledged that. Uh, God didn't take him home. He, he let us have him for a while. Do you understand how neat that is to be at a certain point against something where you say, this is beyond me? I remember telling people, we've got the very best doctors, and we've got the very best treatment. We have the very best things we have, and yet it's still beyond us, right? That's God's call, whether he's here or not. A lot of times we're like that. We're up against it, and we just, we want to take things over, and it doesn't really work. Um, By the way, a few months after that, I remember coming home, and uh, I was a like an associational missionary. I kind of oversaw some churches in the East Tennessee area for the Baptist Convention. And uh, I was having a lot of frustration with some churches. Oh, why don't they do this? And we need to get this guy here and this and that and the other. Y'all with me on this? And Becca, oh, God bless Becca. She came in and uh, it's good to have a spouse that can kick you when you need to be kicked. And I need to be kicked that day. And she said, um, uh, why are you all uh, upset with all this stuff? And I said, well, they need to do this, and they need to do that, and all that kind of stuff. And she said, well, w- when our son had cancer, you could give that up. You didn't worry about that. You gave it up to God. But you're taking control of this, and you shouldn't be taking control of it. You should be giving this up to God. Does this make sense? I think more often than not, we try to take things over. I know the enemy sits on our shoulder saying, you can do this. You've got it. And yet oftentimes, man, we need to seek the Lord in all things. Amen? Now, you need a better one than that. Amen? All right. Let's look at Joshua chapter 5. Let's look at verse uh, 13 through 15. Now, it came to pass when Joshua was near Jericho that he lifted up his, ho- his eyes and behold, a man. By the way, you see that man there? It's a capital Ilm. You see that? A man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or for our enemies? Don't you love that? And he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, what does my Lord say to a servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take the sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You guys ever heard this story? Love this story. This is one of those amazing, like the burning bush story of Moses. And I want you to understand that, that Both Moses and the burning bush and Joshua with this man, they are doing their regular everyday jobs and God shows up and they notice it. So in good sermonizing fashion, I have three points for you today and I've alliterated them for you already. It's look, listen, and learn. Look, listen, and learn. One, look at God's vision. Two, look at God's voice. And three, learn God's victory. Look, listen, and learn. So first off, look. Look at verse uh, 13. Behold, he looked, 
and saw a man. Now, back to what I just said. Joshua is 80 years old. So he is going around the camp, and he's probably locking doors or securing things or whatever he's doing. He is doing his everyday job. Y'all with me? And now all of a sudden, he sees this guy. He looks, he sees it. Now back to Moses and the burning bush. I often wonder how many burning bushes there were before he saw the one that he saw. If you remember, Moses saw the burning bush and he said, I'm going to turn away. What was Moses doing at the time? He was taking care of the sheep. He was doing his job. Here's my point. In an everyday situation, God is there. In an everyday situation. Last night we went to Fry's and got some stuff at the supermarket. God is there. He can be. Tomorrow when you guys go to the bank, tomorrow when you go uh, wherever you're going to go, if you're in school, it's at the school, it's, it's the schoolyard. It's anywhere you go, God can show up. There are burning bushes everywhere. We just don't see them. So your first thing is to be aware, to be looking for God to show up. By the way, there's often not the trumpet sound or the lightning bolt. It's God showing up. Y'all with me? So a couple things about this. First off, this guy that he sees, and it's a capital M, which signifies deity. One, he's, he's strong. He's a strengthener. He's, he's got a sword in his hand. He's also a subduer. He's ready to fight. He's also strange. He's also strange. These guys haven't fought for 40 years. The children of Israel have died off for the last 40 years in the desert. Now all of a sudden they see this man, Joshua does, and he's ready to fight. Well, fight for who? What's going on? We haven't engaged Jericho yet. And yet here he is. And he's got a sword drawn. The last thing I want you to know about this. This guy is seen. Joshua sees him. And he sees him in such a way that it changes his walk patterns of the day. When you see God and you're doing an everyday thing, it changes you. You stop what you're doing and turn aside. Y'all with me? Back in the old days, back when I had a full head of hair and a mullet, guys are only supposed to laugh at jokes, not, you know. Back in the old days, you know, it used to be, well, make sure you have your quiet time with God. Remember that? That was about a 10-minute or 15-minute deal where you would read Scripture. And maybe you'd pray and do some other things like that. It was all hands-focused. I can get up and read this, and then get to check it off. We need to look more toward the heart. We want God to guide us in the heart, which means have that wonderful quiet time with him. Start your day off with him, but then throughout the day, you need to connect with him. A lot of people ask, well, how in the world do I do that? Well, first, get your schedule out and schedule him in your calendar. Now, some of you might think, oh, I'm not going to schedule God in my calendar. Well, then you're just hoping to meet him somewhere. Please don't hope to meet him. You schedule appointments with important people, don't you? 
Well, who's the most important person you need to meet? So schedule him. Let me give you a little insight. You guys remember this thing called the ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S? It's a way to have a, a wonderful time with God, and A is adoration. So spend a couple minutes, Father, I love you, adore you, oh man, you're, you're wonderful, thanks for the day. You adore him. Then the C is for confession. Confess your sins. Ask forgiveness. Then the T is thanksgiving. Thank you for guiding me and leading me and for what you've given me and so forth. And then the S is either supplication or I like submission. Those are the things I need to submit to you because I can't handle them. Y'all with that? So practice the ACTS acronym when you meet with him in the morning. But then throughout the day, reverse that process and put him in your schedule. What I mean is, at 10 o'clock, if you can, put from 10 to 10.10 or 10.15, the S, submission. I don't know about you guys, but by 10 o'clock, I've already had enough stuff hit the fan. I need to submit some things back to God. So put that in your schedule. If you don't do it, no one else will. So put that submission time in your schedule. And then the Thanksgiving, the tea, put that in at noon. When you have your lunch, thank the Lord. And I don't mean this rub-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God kind of stuff. I mean thank him for what he's given you. Then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, from 3 to 3.10, confess. I don't know about you guys, but by 3 o'clock, I've got a lot to confess of. Amen? And then adoration at night before you lay your head down on the pillow, adore him. Thank him for the day he's giving and just his abundance. Y'all with that? A lot of people say, I am looking for God to show up in my day. Well, look for him. He's there. Put him in your life. Again, don't just hope that this stuff happens. All right, so far so good? Okay, we're a third of the way done. <laughs> now the second one. So look at God's vision. Second thing, listen to God's voice. Listen to God's voice. Um, he says, are you for us or for them? You with us or against us, as we'd say in the South? Can you guys tell I'm from the South? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, are you with us or against us? I love that. I don't know if you know that I'm a, I'm a competitor. Uh, I love to compete. I love to challenge. If I saw a guy like that, I would do the same thing. What's amazing is he's 80 years old without backup, without backup. And here's a guy he sees, sore drawn, ready to fight, and he doesn't call for backup. He goes right to him and says, you ready to go? Are you with us or not? Woo. Wow. Have you ever thought about that, Joshua? Also remember that five chapters ago, God took Joshua and put him on his knee and said, now be strong and courageous. Seems to indicate he wasn't strong and courageous. You can do this. You're called now to take Moses' place and lead the people across the Jordan and take this new land. Be strong and courageous. God's given him a pep talk. And now five chapters later, here comes the big test. And Joshua goes straight up and says, let's go. Is it you and me? Are you with me or against me? 
And then what does this guy say? No. That's not an option. It was them or us. And he says, no. As commander, and that's a capital C, as commander of the Lord's host or Lord's army, am I now come? Isn't that amazing? I, uh, I think in the New Testament, Peter in Acts chapter 10, um, God is speaking to Peter and saying, uh, you've dealt with Jewish people all your life. You're a Jew, and you've started the church in Jerusalem. I want you now to go to the Gentiles. And Peter says what? No. It's kind of funny. He says, no, Lord. Like, no, boss. I'm not going to do that. You can't say the two together. No, master. Seems to indicate I'm in charge. Well, now we go back to here, and you see this. No, the answer, the question that you ask is not correct. So there's a couple things about this. There's a command. Well, first, there's a challenge. Because he says, I haven't come to take sides. I haven't come to take sides. You think it's about the side. You ever notice we often pray to God like that? God, will you take my side? And we pray direction prayers to God. Hey, I figured it out. If you would do this, it'd work out. If you'd give me the raise, if you'd make the children call me, if you would do whatever, this is what I need. And he's some big sugar daddy out there in the sky. We pray direction prayers to him. Heal me. Sell the house. Uh, Make the truck instantly turn on when it hasn't for the last hour. Pray directed prayers to God. Father, you're in charge. You want the truck to start on this next time? Do it. And if not, cool, I'll call whoever I need to. You all get this? Not direction prayers, directed Jesus, on the night that he was crucified, night before, he said, not my will, but your will. Jesus, when the disciples asked, how do you pray? He said, pray according to God's will. Not what you want, but according to God's will. Father, will your will be done? May may my will be aligned with your will. Y'all with this? So now this man says, I'm not here to take sides. I'm not here to tell you which side I'm on, I'm here to take control. I'm in charge. Do y'all understand this? Joshua, full of oomph, 80 years old, in charge, goes up to this guy and says, I'm ready to fight. And the guy says, no. And instantly, what does he do? Yes, sir. You're in charge. And he drops down. So there's a challenge. There's a command. What's the command? Take off your shoes. And he instantly drops. Y'all with this? One minute he is ready to go to the mat. Instantly it changes. Not me, you. You're in charge. What does the master say to the servant? I'll do whatever you want. Wow. Hmm. Do you know how much I wish that were in my life? Confession time. It's not. 
I get into situations all the time. I got students or pastors or whatever I'm helping, and I know what you need to do because I've done it before. And so oftentimes I forget to stop and say, Lord, you're in charge of this, not me. Y'all follow that? It's either all about me or all about him. Even, P, even Paul said, needs to have more of you, Lord, and less of me. Amen? Hmm. Really good growth in the Apostle Paul. Um, one of his first books that he wrote, uh, or the two books to the Corinthians. And in it, he says something about, uh, I'm, I am one of the apostles. That's what he says. I'm, I'm counted among the apostles. If you remember on the road to Damascus, um, the light came and, and, uh, and struck him with blindness and so forth, and he met Jesus face to face, right? The apostles were those who had seen the Lord face to face. So, in Corinthians, he says, you know, I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the apostles. About 10 years later, as he's writing to the Galatians, he says, I'm the least of the apostles, one of his final books, a personal letter, he writes to, uh, to one of his preacher boys. He says, I am the lowest of the lowers. I am the biggest sinner on the face of the earth. Y'all follow that growth? That's excellent growth. I'm one of the guys to I'm the least of one of the guys to I'm the least of the least. By the way, you want that. You want more dependence on the Lord and less dependence on you as you go down this road. Does that make sense? Hmm. We got, yes, very good. Y'all with this? Okay. Uh, Finally, there's counsel. He says, what does my Lord say to me? Every day we need to listen uh, for him. Often the question is not whether God is speaking but whether we've been still enough and quiet enough to hear him. All right, so far so good? Man, we're two-thirds of the way done. Let's talk about learning God's victory. So we have looking at God's vision, listening to his voice, and now we have learning God's victory. Um, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 6, the very next chapter, and let's read through the first few verses there. Now, Jericho was securely uh, uh, secured or securely shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. Hold it, hold it, hold it. The city is, is, is securely shut up. And an 80-year-old commander, with a bunch of greenhorns behind him. They're looking at this city, and God says, Look, I've given it to you. Do you see? Don't you love it? Back to our kid with cancer. Uh, we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. So when God said, I'm in charge, we said, You are in charge. You may do what you want, and we will trust you. And if it's better for you to take them, Take them. It's better for you to leave them here. Thank you for the, for the opportunity. But he's in charge. He's the Lord. 
Uh, you shall march around the city, all of your men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do this for six days. What does God say? You're going to march around the city once a day for six days. Uh, and seven priests will bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Covenant. The seventh day you're going to march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go in, every man uh, straight before him. What's he saying? Once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. Walls are going to fall in. You guys go in and take care of business. Hmm. Now Joshua commanded the people, verse 10. I love this part. Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until I say to you, shout. What did Joshua say? Shut up. This is God's victory. This is God's victory. Do you know what we do when we're on this march? We look at at each other and say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. (laughs) By the way, don't you think that these guys, 70 feet up there, the walls of the city are 70 feet high. Don't you think they're throwing stuff at them? Cussing them out? Getting tomatoes hit and lettuce and all this kind of stuff. Don't you think they're getting attacked with rocks and all this? Don't make a noise. Don't make a sound. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. I love this because in chapter 1, God said, be strong and courageous. How? Only through me, through your trust and your risk in trusting me. Then in chapter 5, he sends this man, capital M. By the way, to get technical, this is what we call a Christophany in the Old Testament. This is, a, this is Jesus in human form in the Old Testament. It's God in human form. Y'all with this? We do not bow down to angels. We do not worship angels. We don't take off our shoes for an angel. Who do we take our shoes off for? God himself. Wow. Wow. Same with Moses, the burning bush. That's a Christophany. That's God in human form in the Old Testament. Isn't that cool? When you meet God like that, it changes who you are. So when Joshua says, guys, this is God's victory. Look, it's ours. Now keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Walk around the city. If you guys know the story, everything unfolds the way he said it would. All right, final thing. There are five S words related to this story. Guys, I want you to write this down. Write this down. Oftentimes, related to God's victory, things, we need to to keep in mind these five S words. Number one is sense. That's not dollars. That's S-E-N-S-E, sense. Uh, more often than not, God's plans uh, don't make sense. <laughs> Y'all with me? God even said that. In Scripture, he says, my ways aren't your ways. Your ways aren't mine. It seems that we're always waiting to hear from God. And when he speaks to us, if it doesn't make sense, we don't want to follow it. Yet more often than not, 
God works like that. It does take your trust, and it does take your risk. It does take your risk. You can't play it safe and please the Lord. Guys, when you go home today, you might look across the street, and someone um, just moved in across the street, and God puts on your heart that you might need to go and just introduce yourself. Maybe ask about their spiritual heritage, something like that. Well, that's risky. I got to walk across and knock on a door, start this conversation. That's risky. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's risky for us to stand up and take a position. You got to do that. When God reveals things to you with your trust, there's always a risk involved. And that risk is always encompassed by our belief and trust in the Lord Jesus. Y'all get this? Okay. Since, uh, I'm thinking of a couple things. Luke chapter 5, when uh, Peter and the fishermen, when they came uh, off of the water, they hadn't caught anything all night. Remember this? And Jesus says, Jesus wasn't a fisherman, by the way. Jesus says, hey, you guys are professional fishermen. Why don't you drop your net on the other side of the boat? What did Peter say? Oh, Lord, we've been, we've been fishing all night. Oh, we know what we're doing. This is our job. But because you say so, we'll drop it over. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. We know what we're doing. But because you said so, we'll do this. And then what happens? So many fish, the boat almost capsizes. That's when Jesus says, follow me. And they go, you bet. You bet. We'll leave everything. The other thing is the Old Testament story in 2 Kings. Remember Naaman had leprosy? And he goes and he, he, he wants to seek out the man of God. And when he knocks on the door, a servant comes. And he says, hey, I need to, I need to meet with the man. And he says, well, he's busy. Let, let, me, let me go and talk to him. So he goes and talks to the man. The servant goes and talks to the man of God. And he says, go tell the guy to dip seven times down in the Jordan, and he'll be cleansed of his leprosy. Remember this? So he comes back to the door. This guy is a great man, and he's traveled a long distance. He wants to see this guy face to face. And the servant says, hey, he's real busy. He can't see you. But he did say to go and dip seven times. Well, this guy's outraged. And he leaves. And do you remember his own servant? comes to him and says, look, if the man had said, go and take a great battle or do a great thing, you would have done it. He just wants you to dip down in the Jordan seven times. Come on, let's, let's do that. By the way, that was the dumbest thing in the world for six times, right? Six times. Okay, I'm dipping, nothing. Dipping again, nothing. It was the dumbest thing in the world, wasn't it? Until the seventh time. When he comes up the seventh time, he's cleansed. Isn't it amazing? So sometimes things don't make sense. But follow him if he's telling you to do it. Second thing is surrender. To follow God, we must exercise a great commitment to follow him. They, they were to anticipate the overthrow of those walls. They were to have trumpets with them and, and shout great shouts when the walls fell. This wasn't a thing of walk around and, man, let's hope that this thing happens. 
It was if God said that's going to happen, it's going to happen. Y'all with me? The third thing is shut. Keep your, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Well, God told us this, but I'm not so sure. I was uh, teaching an online class. Man, the classes are so cool online nowadays. And uh, one uh, in the class, we had a couple people in Arizona. Uh, there's a guy in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. We had two people, one's in Japan starting a church, and uh, the other's in China. Can you believe it? And so we're talking about all this stuff, and we're talking about your faith and, and keep your mouth shut. And he said, we have to in China. We have to keep our mouth shut on purpose and see how God is working. It's just amazing, isn't it? Um, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such as, good, as building up, as fits the occasion, to give grace to those who hear. You ever been around someone that just brings everything down? By the way, I don't know if you guys can see it, but there's a huge mirror right here in front of me. Because, man, that's me. A lot of times I bring everything down. I need to keep my mouth shut. Y'all with it? When you have those doubts, you can always find someone else that has the same doubts. But if you trust the Lord, trust them. Keep moving forward. You know, there's a couple of times in Scripture that God says, quit praying. He says, shut up. Go do what I told you to do. By the way, Joshua's one of them in a couple of chapters after Jericho. Uh, Achan takes some of the spoils, and he hides it under his tent. Well, the next town on the map is Ai, little thing. Says Joshua didn't pray about it. It's a little town. No reason to send everybody up. Just send a few guys up and take care of that town. Well, they got routed. A bunch of people got killed. What does Joshua do? Falls on his face. Oh, Lord, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. What did God say? Shut up. There's sin in the camp. Get up. Go take care of business. You want to know the other place that God says stop praying? In the New Testament, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, when you bring your offering to the altar... And you remember that someone has an issue with you. Leave your stuff there. Quit worshiping. Go take care of the problem. Y'all get this? In other words, he says, you don't have to pray about this. I've told you what to do. Go do it. Amen? You know, oftentimes we will pray ourselves out of doing what we should be doing. When God tells you to do something, just go do it. Pray on the way. Pray on the way as you go do that thing. Uh, So we got sense, surrender, shut. The next one is solitude. Solitude. Relax and experience God's solitude. George Mueller was a great evangelist, oh, two, three hundred years ago. On his deathbed, someone told him that he had been praying for a couple of guys for their salvation for years and years, and they had still not been saved. And he said, you're about to die. And he said, they're not dead yet. I may be dead, but they're not dead yet. And within a year of his death, both of those men accepted the Lord. 
solitude, relax. When God tells you that he's in charge, he's in charge. Back to my son. When God's in charge and you fully say you can do whatever you want, it's out of my hands, there's great peace with that, isn't there? Whatever happens, Lord, you're in charge. And I can trust that. I can trust this way. I can trust that way. By the way, you always want to have your prayers answered. That's the way you pray. Whatever you need, Lord, whatever you want. What was that um, country music song? Thank God for unanswered prayers. Yeah. Uh, Why are you praying those kind of prayers? Father, you're in charge. Oh, man, I've prayed some really good prayers. I pray those prayers of, Lord, this is the girl. This is the girl. I'm sorry, honey, it was before you. I don't even remember their names. I, don't, I can't. <laughs> but you complete me, honey. Oh, man. Oftentimes, I will pray and God doesn't speak. He is speaking. What is he saying? It is, <laughs> shut up. Good job, man. He's saying, it's not important to me. Why is it important to you? Well, Lord, I need an answer on this. Uh, and he's not answering me. He is. Relax. Relax. If he wanted you to go in a certain way, he'd tell you, wouldn't he? If he's not answering you, he is answering you. It's not a big deal. Relax. Finally, spoils. The last thing is spoils. God's victory is always greater than we expected. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Without bloodshed, by the way. On, on the Israel's part, without bloodshed. Walk around six times, seven times on the seventh day. There you go. I love it. Do you remember um, 2 Kings chapter 4, the widow and the oil? So the widow's about to lose everything. She's got, the, she's got two boys, and they're about to be taken by the creditor. She goes to the man of God and says, what do I do? He says, what do you have in the house? She says, nothing except a little bit of oil. Got a little bit of oil. He says, close up the house. Ask your neighbors for vessels, uh, pots, pans, uh, dishes, pitchers, you know, whatever. And then close up the house. Close it up, not just shut the door. That means close up, like in Alaska, like uh, sealing the cabin for the winter. Put your food in the cache so the bears don't get it. Shut up the cabin, board it up. You can't go in and out. And then start pouring the oil out. Remember what happened? Every time the, the oil would get to the top of the pitcher, give me another jar. Here comes a jar. And keep going, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Until she said, give me another one. This is it, Mom. This is all that we got. And the oil stopped, right? When she went back to the man of God and said, wow, we have all this oil. What do we do with it? What did the man of God say? He said, sell the oil and pay off your debts. By the way, that is what she had asked for. The creditors are coming tomorrow to destroy my family. I'm a widow. My my two boys are going to be taken from me, and they're probably going to be split. Very rarely did one person be able to buy two slaves like that. They're never going to see each other again. Now what do I do? I'm out of the house. I'm on the street. 
He said, pay off your debts, then you and your sons live off the rest. She didn't ask for that. She said, can you get me out of debt? And she was blessed with the rest of your life. You're okay. You understand that? By the way, that wasn't just because God had pity on her. Oh, he loved her. But he had designs for her as well. I often think that, man, that had to be the first, um, that had to be the first missionaries that we ever saw. What are those two boys going to do the rest of their lives? Because they don't have to work. You and your sons live off the rest. And the whole town knew what had happened to these people. She'd lost her husband. They'd sold off all their stuff. There's nothing in the house, the couch. Everything's gone. God's blessings are always, always, always like that. Our son Brock, mm, what a good kid. So we prayed, not that he would be healed, but prayed that God would have his will with him. I remember my sweet wife saying, uh, if, he's, if he's taken home, at least we had seven years, you know, with him. By the way, the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What did he just say? I wish I were dead. That's what he said. For me to live is Christ, that's pretty good. To die is even better. You know, we all talk about heaven, don't we? Boy, that's a good place. That's a place where we want to go. Who's in heaven? Yeah, God is. Jesus, man. Who doesn't want to go there? But we hold on to this life like grim death, don't we? By the way, there's no Kool-Aid waiting for you outside. Just relax, everyone. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's saying is, I wish I were in heaven. But because he's given me another day, I'm going to live it to the full, to Christ. Y'all got that? It's funny how we started off with Joshua going against this, this man standing with a sword in his hand. But I want you to realize this wasn't really an exercise in, I want you to take the whole company and, and, and march around Jericho and you're going to win a great battle. It was to change this guy's life. He wanted, God wanted Joshua to see face to face the Lord and to submit. Y'all follow that? Not submit with hands, not submit with head, submit with heart. The hands always follow the heart. And truly, we see that in Joshua chapter 5. Woo. Uh, Brock, uh, Brock was healed. Uh, he's been cancer-free six, six years, five years. Um, and St. Jude, man, wonderful people. And make a wish. Wonderful folks. Just, just great. Do you guys understand how close Brock's relationship with God is? It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's not our faith. It's his faith with God. Because when you meet God face to face like this, oh, it changes you. And don't go to God saying, am I going to fight you? Are you for me or for them? Because God will answer, I'm not here to take sides. I'm in charge. 
and you are to say, yes, sir. Now, what does the master have for a servant? What do you want me to do? Amen? Um, This message is for a couple of people. I'm assuming most of us have sometime in our lives surrendered to the Lord Jesus. We've accepted him as our Savior. We've started that wonderful relationship with God that we have. And man, if that's you, um, this message is to help you this week so that you'll see those times where the burning bush or the man with the sword in his hand, uh, that you'll be aware of that and that you'll submit to him in that time. Um, There's also maybe someone in the room that hasn't done that. They haven't gotten to the point where they surrendered themselves and, and, and they don't even know that God created me to have a relationship with him. He did. Adam was created for one purpose. And that was to walk with God. You were created for the same purpose. So even now, if you don't walk with God, if you don't have that relationship, then this message, maybe it doesn't make sense to you. God talks to me. He wants to have a walk with me, a relationship, and he does. So if that's you, man, you can start that relationship now, today. Uh, I'll be up here right after the service is done or, or talk to Pastor Brian back here. You can start that now. By the way, that's why you were created. So if things are kind of weird and unfocused and all that, well, you're off kilter. You're created to walk with God. So you can start that today. Man, guys, have I told you how much I love being up here? It's just great. And you guys are the best looking group of people I've talked to all day. And I'm the best-looking preacher you've seen all day. (laughs) If anyone wants to touch the tooth, you can. All right, uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, guys. Love you guys, and uh, always good to see you. Father, we love you. Thanks so much for your word, and thank you for the life of Joshua. And uh, thank you for putting in print that we can see how you want to interact with us. Lord, give us great opportunity this week to see where you're working. not just to see, but then to submit to that and to acknowledge that you're there and to trust you, to risk trusting you. Father, we love you. Know that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.